Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Here's a five-star review we received on Apple Podcasts. It says, must, must listen. I would have given anything for this podcast 12 years ago when I was going through my divorce. My then husband was an owner of sex offender homes and a therapist himself. All I knew was I was being abused. After a three-year divorce, I found out multiple affairs, women who worked for him, porn use. I also found he had recorded me and stalked me to gain quote-unquote evidence that I was unfit. I could not find anybody who could help me. I finally found a therapist who called it for what it was. It literally saved my life. I finally had clarity and names and descriptions of his behavior. This podcast is invaluable. It is freedom from the bands that have been wrapped around you through your quote unquote marriage. It will get you out of the trees, lift the fog and set you in a place where you can finally understand the crazy you are living with or through. After 10 years of therapy and a new marriage, I listen to these when I need a touch up or when I have a triggering event. Thank you. Thank you. These podcasts will release so many women from emotional prisons they are living in. Funny thing is, my ex has a podcast too. He uses his therapy and even his wife, who was one of his affair partners, to talk about how to get through divorces. They both don't mention the adultery as the cause of both of their divorces. Luckily, I have this podcast and all the education I have learned and know it is just part of the pattern of their lives. I am remarried and my mind is blown away every day of what marriage should be. Keep up the great work. Women, you are enough and the sun will shine again. Trust this podcast. This is a safe place for you. Thank you. I have a member of our community on today's episode. We're going to call her Chelsea. She's going to be sharing her story. Welcome, Chelsea. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. BTR has helped me so much, so I'm just excited that I got to get on here and contribute as much as you guys have helped me. Thank you. And you sharing your story will help other women. So it's an awesome circle of life. The club we don't want to be in, but we are. (laughs) Exactly. So let's start from the beginning of your story. When you first met your husband, did you recognize, or maybe when you first got married, did you recognize his behaviors as abuse at first? No, I definitely didn't. I guess everything's hindsight in 2020, but at the time... I was a single mom of two kids myself, so I don't know if it was just insecurities I wasn't aware of, but kind of just as a lot of other stories go, it just, it happened slowly and it was 
right circled around insecurities I already had. So I didn't really notice it at first. Did you think something was wrong? When did you start recognizing like something's not quite right? I would say it was like a few months into dating. I guess the biggest thing for me was all the things he had originally complimented me about or liked about me. He started to make comments about that in like a derogatory kind of way. So I guess that's why I didn't recognize it as abuse. I remember being emotionally distressed, but not really understanding why, if that makes sense. So he kind of changed his tune. So if, like, I'm just using this as an example. Maybe he said, you're so beautiful. I'm so attracted to you. And then later, maybe he was like, you're not attractive to me. Yeah, yeah, basically. So like for a couple of examples early on was I was single and I have a really good co-parenting relationship with my ex-husband. I had the perfect situation for me, which was like I had my kids during the week and on the weekends I was, you know, 25 years old back then. This was five years ago. And I kind of just had the best of both worlds in a way. And I'm a very like social butterfly, like life of the party kind of person and I love to wear like red lipstick and like just that's like a small example because he did end up using that against me a lot it was like one of those weird off to the side things but just stuff like that so when we first were dating he would you know compliment like that I was so fun and like he liked how I did my makeup and stuff like that and then even like things about like how good of a mom I was and then Fast forward a few months, probably like four, five, six months is when it all like slowly started going downhill. He started saying things like, you have children at home. Why are you acting like this? And why do you wear makeup like that? It makes people think you're X, Y, Z. And just that's really how like the very beginning of it started. This is an interesting question because I get this too. I think all victims get it, right? Where it's like, if you saw a few red flags before you got married you know what you were getting into or you know something like that which is not true at all but did you think that marriage maybe solved some of these things were you thinking that okay once we're married you know blah 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 then these things will get better did you have any thoughts like that yes and no so what ended up happening was I ended up getting pregnant about a little less than a year of us dating and that was a whole fiasco. That's a whole other story. But right before I got pregnant, I tried to cut it off. It took me years to realize it was abuse. So that definitely never really came into my mind. But it was so emotionally like tumultuous. I don't know if that's like a good word to use that I was like, I can't do this anymore. The way he would degrade me or like the way fights would go. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then that cycle of abuse was already in play. That wasn't really any different than after we were married. But I tried to break up with him. I actually moved away a couple hours away for a job. And I was like, okay, this is going to help me cut it off. Because it's really hard to cut things off with an abuser, whether you're married or not married, you know. And to me, that was like my way of, even though emotionally I was having a hard time cutting it off because he would always come back around as they do. I was like, if we're physically not in the same place, this should be good. Well, he ended up coming to still visit me on the weekends and these episodes still kept happening every time he was there and it would always be this big old thing, like a cycle of abuse definitely happening still. And then I ended up finding out I was pregnant and in hindsight, I tell this story sometimes now 
I have multiple kids and this instance was like the only time I remember just like falling and sobbing on the floor. At the time I just knew it was like I just started this new job, like I was trying to start this new life or whatever, but now in hindsight I think it was more of that subconscious knowing what was really happening underneath all of it was the abuse I was going through and how that was just going to make it so much worse and it did. So you got married because you were pregnant essentially? Basically, yeah, like he ended up begging for me back and like wanted to make it work. And of course, add a pregnancy in there and you're already vulnerable, like in these cycles, at least that's how it was for me. Like these these cycles come around and add a pregnancy in there and it's like, okay, I really want this to work now. Like I already have two other kids. I don't want to have another kid and be a single mom. And at that point, I still really wanted to be with him, but I was like fighting that war with myself. So I just wanted to believe him when he said he wanted to make it work. So yeah, we ended up getting married, but even our wedding leading up to the wedding and our wedding, we eloped. Um, Even our wedding night was just horrible to say the least. A lot of people have horror uh, honeymoon stories or wedding night stories. Yeah, that's awful. So you're married and you're pregnant. Do you start trying to make things work, you know, like trying to love, serve, forgive, be understanding, you know, that sort of thing. Do you start doing the common marriage advice or common church advice at this point? So we ended up getting married after the baby was born. He was a few months old at the time because all this whole drama played out for a while before I ended up moving back and everything. But I did notice I moved back and that's when I quit my job and like pretty much left my career because I had a corporate career at that point to be with him and be a stay-at-home mom and that's like really what I thought I wanted at the time um really quick what's his job um he's in the military okay so he's got a stable respectable job yes and that was used against me all the time but that's another conversation (laughs) but yeah so I noticed that like even though like I told you the story of four or five six months into dating is when things turned well then things really turned once like I was fully dependent on him. Um, that's when things got even worse. At that point, like we did some counseling and things like that, just like typical stuff. But at that point, I don't know. It's crazy looking back on it now because I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. I think I really was just going through the motions. I don't know any other way to describe it. <laughs> what did he seem like to the counselors? Did he seem like a really upstanding good guy to the counselors? Yeah, and even through the years, like, he will admit that he has, like, quote-unquote problems, but, like, it would always be, like, yes, I have problems, but it's not me. <laughs> like, as ironic as that is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you just love me for who I am and help me out, but they're your fault because you're not understanding and because you're not patient and because you're not forgiving or something. Or he would always blame my own because he came from like a very well-off family and I didn't. So he always tried to make it seem like, and you know, I have a lot of trauma from my childhood and over the years, which, you know, I feel like that plays into, in, for, at least for me personally, ending, ending up in a situation like this to begin with. But um, he would use that against me. Like, well, you're the one who has mental health issues. You're the one who has trauma. Like, it's clearly not me. I, the only issues I have is, you know, the cheating or the prostitutes or whatever the case may be like but you are the one who is basically quote-unquote crazy and that was just really hard because I think in a way I believed it 
So when did you recognize that this was abuse? Oh, gosh. You know, not until probably the last six months to a year before I ended up leaving, which was earlier this year. I didn't realize it was actual abuse. This is something he would say, too. So, like I said, I believed it. And he says that to his, to this day, like, I was abusive, but I'm not an abuser. I play tennis, but I'm not a tennis player. Yeah, basically. And then he would even be like, and a lot of things he would say to, like, multiple marriage counselors we went to over the years were like, well, I used like the abusive one, but now we're equal. Now we're just toxic because we're equal. Like that really came into play the last couple years before I ended up leaving. And because an abuser would never admit that he's abusive. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Then they believed him, right? You know what? This is a catch-22 because they admit they're abusive and suddenly they're like the saint. Wow, this is a man who can really like be honest and stuff. And so in that way, you're thrown under the bus because it's like, he's changed. What's wrong with you? And then if they won't admit it and they just present as this really great guy, then they also were like, he's a great guy. Like it's lose-lose. Either way, the woman isn't believed. Yeah. And I will tell you something that happened when I was pregnant before we got married and I was going to counseling or like therapy. And I wish sometimes that they would call it for what it is. I think she was a really good therapist and she definitely made it known that she did not like him like as much as she could in a professional way, you know, but I remember her telling her like an incident that had happened where he had said something to me like about my past, like, well, how do you live with yourself? Like something like that. I told her about it and she was like, he said that like, that is not okay. Like she said stuff like that. But I, in hindsight, I'm like, why didn't she just tell me that was abuse? Instead of telling me, like, that's not okay, like, you know, she was very, like, adamant about that. Like, I could see the conviction in what she said, but now in hindsight, I'm like, why didn't she just tell me I was being abused? Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote-unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, Check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Here's a five-star review that we just received on Amazon. It says, thank you. She said, I'm currently getting out of a situation like this. I'm pretty numb emotionally, but page 24 breathed a little life back into me. That page shows the loneliness of this porn prison. I slept in the position that the mom in the picture is sleeping in for 10 years. I could not and cannot bear to turn over and look at the man who has obliterated our lives and has the nerve to accuse me of being unforgiving. I just can't. Thank you for putting the hope I thought was impossible within reach. I really thought he loved us and would change. He never did. Thank you. Maybe I'm not crazy. Thank you so much for your review. And now back to our conversation. People will be like, well, I don't like this thing, but I need a label for it in order to be able to take actions. Like people ask me all the time, like, this is what happened. Is this abuse or not? And I want to say, well, it is abuse, but let's just throw that out the window for two seconds. Are you okay with that? And maybe that's what she was sort of doing because Victims don't need some expert to come in and tell them, okay, this is what you should and shouldn't accept. Like what a really good therapist would do or the coaches here at BTR is 
don't worry about what the label is. Sure. It's abuse. Yes. But like, let's really just look at like, what kind of life do you want? Right. Is this acceptable to you? And you need to become the source of your own expertise. Like you are the expert on your life. You are the expert on what you want your life to be like. So we don't need to listen to someone else telling us this is abuse or not to, to say, I don't like this. This is not enjoyable. I don't feel cherished. This is actually quite miserable. And even if it didn't fall under the realm of quote unquote abuse, let's pretend for a second, if that's not something that you want to live with, you don't need someone else to tell you that in order to say, hey, like, this is what I want. Yeah, you know what, you have a good point. And now that I talk to more people about this openly, yeah, I say the same thing. Like, and I think that's what it got to. It was like, I could tell him he was abusive all day long for, you know, that went on for six, 12 months after I put a label on it. And that didn't really help because he would just deflect like he did everything else before I put a label on it. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, you have a really good point, but I do feel like there's a lot of validation. Like when I went to BTR, whenever I would have a situation in group and they would tell me what it was that was very validating for me like this is what's happening and it's like okay because they make us question our reality so much yeah I'm not saying don't call out the abuse that's not what I'm saying but I just want women to know that like you don't need someone else to tell you although yes it's helpful that's what we do here at BTR it's abuse it's abuse abuse all day long (laughs) because I'm like I just wish women had that inside of themselves but I'm so grateful that we're here to help validate oh for sure and like, I think that goes on hand in hand with the narcissist thing. Like people always want to know, is he a narcissist? I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter. The label doesn't matter because how is he treating you? Exactly. So did you recognize it was abuse when you found BTR or before? Or how did you find BTR? Like, I can't remember an exact time. You know how trauma brain goes. Like, you yeah. don't even like remember things the way you should. Yeah, I don't remember the exact time, but I just remember the time frame. And I was about to leave I had already like been looking at apartments and like I made the decision to leave and I think I was listening to the podcast I think I just knew that I needed something to like keep me accountable I was scared of myself that I wouldn't follow through with it okay so you start listening to the podcast and then you join betrayal trauma recovery group it was right around the same time that I knew I wanted to leave I'd listened to the podcast and binge listened and like I read why does he do that that was like very pivotal for me was that book why does he do that was I tell everyone about that and BTR like the two things I tell everybody about (laughs) once I read that book I like read it in like two days I was like oh this is my life this is not gonna change you know likely not gonna change and I need to do something and so then I joined BTR group I was scared that he was gonna come back around because I had seen the cycle so evident at that point that I was like he's gonna come back around like I'm gonna pay for this apartment I'm gonna pack all my stuff and then he's gonna like beg for me back like I don't know how I'm gonna handle these steps and I knew I needed something to help me through that part and then I ended up staying for a while (laughs) so talk about your experience with betrayal trauma recovery group you join we have multiple sessions a day in every time zone Talk about how that helped. You mentioned before how like when women and the coaches were saying, this is abuse, this is abuse. That was super helpful because it was validating and you felt like you weren't going crazy. Can you talk more about how that gave you strength through this process? Yeah, like that gave me strength because they would label things that I didn't even know. Like I remember, I think my first session, I don't even remember the incident that was happening, but I told 
one of the coaches what was happening and they were like that's darvo and i'm like i don't even know what that is and then when she told me i was like oh my gosh like my mind was like (laughs) blown because i was like how this happens to me constantly how did i never know there was a term for this we should take a minute to define darvo so if you have not heard of darvo it's an acronym it stands for deny so your abuser abuses you and you call him out on it hey you you're using porn or you cheated on me or you lied to me or you're manipulating me or something, something, or you hurt my feelings. Even as simple as like that really hurt my feelings. They deny that it happened and then they attack. So the D is deny. The A is attack you. And then the process of that ends up reversing. That's the V the victim and offender role. So a really famous one would be like prominent people who are accused of rape, for example. So Bill Cosby is a a very good example. Someone accuses him of rape. He denies that it happens. Then he attacks the victim and says, no, no, no. She's just trying to get money. She's just trying to get attention. I'm the victim here because she's trying to ruin my life. So the victim offender role gets reversed. So again, deny, attack, and then reverse the victim and offender role. Yeah. So I remember that was in my first session. And I remember just being like, this happens to me like almost on a daily basis. This happens to me by his family. This happens to me by him. Like, I can't believe there's a word for this. I remember just that leaving that session being like, oh my gosh. And then I kept going through the process of moving out and everything. And something aside from the support and everything, hearing everyone's stories, was really impactful for me, I guess, because I realized I didn't know like what the goal was, I guess. I knew it was supportive, but I didn't know like how it would be once I saw that they aren't really persuading you to do one thing or another. It's more about making your own decisions and deciding for yourself what you want to do or what's happening. And anyway, hearing other people's stories and realizing like, I get to decide if I want to still be in this situation five, 10, 20 years from now or not, you know, that was very enlightening to me hearing other people, how long they had to go through it. Like that was a real like wake up call for me. I think that's one reason why women are afraid to join betrayal trauma recovery group is because they're afraid that if they find out it's abuse or if they acknowledge it's abuse, that they'll have to get divorced, for example, and they're just not quite ready to do that yet. Or some other version of that where they feel like they'll go down a road they don't really want to go down. A lot of women are worried about that. What would you say to a woman who's concerned about that? From my experience, I mean, I can't say because like I had already planned on leaving when I did join, but from the stories I saw, I remember just really seeing how people could find even that little bit of safety of like, no, they weren't ready to get to leave or maybe they don't want to leave at all. And knowing they could have support, like validation that their feelings are valid, what they're going through is valid. And even just finding the strength to be able to stand up for themselves or self-care. Like I always remember them asking like what our self-care was for the day. And I remember being like, I don't know, I don't ever do self-care, you know, just stuff like that. Like, I think it's, so important to even if when you're in that situation you're so like spun out trying to survive like keep your head above water it's like a breath of fresh air to like be in a group where you're understood and validated regardless if you you know are planning to leave or not 
we wanted to make sure it was safe for everyone, no matter where they are in their process and no matter what their goals are at BTR. Our goal is safety. We just want to help women feel validated and make their way to safety in whatever way that it looks like for them. So that's our goal here. We're going to pause the conversation here and Chelsea and I are going to continue our discussion next week. So stay tuned. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.